Hello there, you're welcome to Truth, Timeless Word with Practical Insights. Your host is Reverend Bumi Omisha. Continuation of um, last week's message, Understanding Spiritual Authority. That's how I came up with the USA. Understanding Spiritual Authority. Understanding Spiritual Authority. And if you'd like to turn your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. While I was praying about this message, I believe the Lord laid um, something on my heart. And he said that, particularly in the West, many of us, we live like civilians. And it's our time that we need to start living like soldiers. You know, civilians cannot conquer a territory. It takes soldiers to conquer territories. Amen? And we're in that season. The church is in that season that needs soldiers. Praise the Lord. And one of the major characteristics or difference between a civilian and a, you know, Civilians are a little bit, can be a little bit laid back and a little bit undisciplined. But as soldiers, you don't even have that, you don't have that room to be. You know, um, I was checking the characteristics of soldiers and I realized that soldiers do what they need to do, not because they want to do it, but because they have to do it. Do you understand that? Soldiers do what they need to do, not because they want to do it, but because they have to do it. They don't wake up in the morning and go exercise practicing their rifle because they feel like. They know that their life will depend upon that one day if they don't master the act of handling their rifle. If they're not physically fit and they're captured and they're tortured, you know, they will either divulge information that they need to divulge or I, I saw a post on Facebook um, yesterday by one of my cousins. And um, in, in Nigeria, there were some uh, soldiers who updated their post in the northeast of um, Nigeria. And um, I think, I can't remember the number, but, um, sorry, 60. A military tribunal was held, and they were all sentenced to death. Initially, when I saw it, I thought, what, in this day and age, can that still happen? And another cousin of mine who was in the military responded and said, Yes. He said, that's the right call. He said, you cannot allow adopters, uh, deserters in the military. He said, you, you have to crush it. And I was like, okay, well, that's the soldier speaking. Amen. And what he's saying is that, look, as a soldier, you don't just do what you want to do. You do what you are asked to do when you are asked to do it. Amen. It sounds cruel, it sounds, you know, ash, but, hey, you know, in soldiers, you can imagine. If you ask a lot of soldiers in Afghanistan or whatever, their opinion about America or Britain in that war, they probably tell you that I totally disagree with the, the principal and everything. But guess what? They don't go there and start thinking, do I really agree with the prime minister or the president of America? You don't, you don't go there and start thinking, start debating the politics of it. You are there, that's all you know, you're representing Britain, you're representing America or whatever nation that you come from. 
and you do as you're told. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that makes a difference of um, a conqueror. And you see, there are times and seasons that God wants, that God needs soldiers. And I believe that this is God needs soldiers. You know, we need soldiers. We need soldiers. Hallelujah. Verse 14. I'm going to read from verse 14 to 20. If you put your fingers also in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 23, I'll just um, go very quickly. I'm going to go very quickly. Um, I'm just going to minister for just about 20 minutes so that we can just have enough time. Um, praise the Lord. Verse 14. He said, And when they had come to multitude, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. He brought him to his disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Look at verse 18. And this kind of ties into what I was saying earlier on. And Jesus did what? Rebuke the demon. He did not cancel. He did not cancel the boy. He did not, you know, it was not koshikoshi with the boy. I mean, it was not the boy that's been addressed here, but it's the demon that was operating within the life of the boy that was addressing. The Bible says Jesus rebuked the demon. He called, he called his disciples unto him, and he said, I've given you power over demons, and to go and heal all kinds of diseases. Amen. Praise the Lord. So anytime that you allow demons or the fear of Satan or the fear of what is going around overwhelm you, what you're doing, you are invariably denying the authority that God has put inside of you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's why we can't afford to live in fear. So number one, understanding the legitimacy of the authority that we have is that God initially gave us this authority. We were created with this authority to have dominion over all things. Satan stole it, but God recovered it and gave it back to us. Number two is that authority is a conduit of power. Authority is a conduit of power. So what I'm saying to us is that don't act in the power of your might. You see, don't do anything because... You are just gifted in it. You know, the fact that you are gifted in something does not mean that God is in it. The fact that you can sing does not mean that you can worship or you can lead worship. The fact that you're a good speaker does not mean you can preach the word. Amen? You can do that. I mean, God can, God can use those gifts. I'm not saying God can't use those gifts. But what I'm saying is that if you are depending on those gifts as your, 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 your basis of acting, you, you'll be burning yourself. 
and I did, uh, I used this example of a police officer last week. I said, the police officer that stands in front of, um, of a vehicle and, and puts his hand out like that in his uniform, he's not doing that because I'm so strong, I can stop this car. He's doing that because he's saying to, to the vehicle that, look, I am, I represent the royal majesty. The power that resides in our royal majesty in the United Kingdom is vested in me right now. And on the basis of that power, I tell you, stop. Amen? Not because he's strong or he has the capacity of himself. So when we are, when we are dealing with life issues, when we are dealing with life circumstances, it's not because you know so much. It's not because you know so little. Is because of the authority of God that is vested in you. That, as we saw in Ephesians, they said, is vested in the church to express the fullness of God. Hallelujah. So, every time, you see, and the truth is that every time we get, we come to, we are confronted with this, basically, is Satan saying, prove to the world or prove to yourself whether God lives in you or not. Amen. So, um, in John chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said that everything that I do, he said, everything that I see my father do, I do. I do not do anything of my own accord. And if Jesus can say that, look, I don't rely on myself as God, you know, he's part of the Godhead. He didn't do anything as, but he did. And, and another significance is that every miracle that Jesus did, you know, Jesus did it as man under the authority of God. And he said, I don't do anything of my own accord. Everything I see my father do, I do. Hallelujah. So if Jesus can rely entirely on God, what is our own to think that we can do anything by ourselves? In John chapter 15, verse 4, it says, yeah, it just says, abide in me. Abide in me. Stay in me. Stay connected with me. I was saying in Bible studies, I said, uh, someone asked that, why is it that we're not, we don't see miracles as much as we see in, in, in yesterday's? I said, the truth about it is that when we look at us believers, and I'm going to throw that challenge to every one of you, how much time do you spend in God's presence, in his word, or in prayer, or in worship? And I want to, I want to challenge you. I want to give you a challenge. After the end of each day, for seven days, just sit down and reflect that, how have I spent my day? What have I spent my day most on? You'll be shocked and amazed how little you spent with, with knowing God. It's amazing that the word of God is so accessible to us now, but yet, I mean, you have all the Bible, you have, I mean, you go to YouTube, what message do you want to listen? What topic do you want that you can't get there? You get on any media, any platform, you get whatever you want. But yet, we rather look at the gossips than strengthen ourselves 
in what God. And you see, the, more, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And really what the scripture says is that whatever you expose yourself to is what you become. So the more you expose yourself to the gossip, the more you expose to yourself to, oh, the coronavirus is coming. Oh, look at what causes it. Look at, at the more you amass yourself in it, guess what? The more coronavirus gets nearer to you. It's true. But if you amass yourself on what God has done, what he's able to do, what, what he has, what he's capable of doing. And one woman of God said something. He said, faith does not deny the circumstance, but it stops you from focusing on it. It prevents you, the circumstance defining you. I'm not, defined, I'm not denying that there is coronavirus, but I know of a fact that no plague shall come now my dwelling place. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That is a promise of, he said, blessed is he that dwells in the presence of the Lord. I said, look, no plague shall come now. He said, only with your eyes shall you see. It will not come now your dwelling place. That's truth. Guess what? Before coronavirus exists, that word existed. So in the order of hierarchy, the word of God is older than any problem. Amen? At least most of us are Africans here. And in Africa, we respect our elders. Praise the Lord. The word of God is older than any problem. You know, there's, uh, um, there's actually, yes, I think, I don't know if there's an English version of it. You know, ancient of days. In, in, in my dialect, but we call it Arubojo. That is, the, 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 actually, it's the ancient of days. The one that's, you know, the old one that exists forever. Praise the Lord. He has existed before us and he will continue to exist after us. Amen? So if his promise exists before the problem, guess what? The promise is weightier than the problem. Hallelujah. So, authority, as I said, is a conduct of God's power. Don't act in the power of your minds. The Bible is a constitution. It's the basis, um, it's the basis of our action. You remember when um, Boris Johnson kind of wants to um, um, bully the parliament to, to accept um, Brexit. And he wanted to shut him down so that he could just um, do the... What did they do? They took him to court. And they looked at the constitution. And he said, well, sorry, you can't do that. Based on the precedence of our constitution, you cannot do that. I thought, okay, well, no problem. And the same thing, this is the constitution of the kingdom. And as long as we have it there, our authority is constituted in it. That is why Satan would rather want you to sit down on social media all day and, have, and don't have this in your spirit. You see, reading the word of God or studying the word of God when you are not in trouble 
is like a soldier practicing the use of his weapon before the day of battle. When there is battle, I can guarantee you, when there is problem, the last thing you will think of is, if I there's some, I mean, when I had stroke, is it two years, three years ago? Three years ago, isn't it? Imagine at that time, I could not even hold anything. Could I, could I hold the Bible? I can't even say, okay, let me go and see healing scriptures in the world. Everything that came through my spirit there was what is already in there. In the day of trouble, it is what you have implanted in your spirit. But Satan would rather want you to focus on Fox News, CNN, and all the other stuff. I mean, some people's TV are 24 hours permanent in their home. They wake up in the morning, the first thing they reach is TV. They're sleeping, the TV is even on. I'm not talking about anybody I know. But we just, we know some people, isn't it, that do that. But it's not us, it's not anybody here. Amen? Praise God. We know, you know, CNN and those, you know, they repeat their news so much. Some of you know the news that's going on right now. Because you've watched it before. You, no, not you. Your friend has watched it before they came. And they just text you the updates. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, there's more of what is going on around the world than more of what God is doing or what God has done. So when we're talking of a supernatural shift, you got to step up your game, amen, and get into the word of God. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to kind of round up with this because of time. Every power operates within constitutional authority as I've um, kind of um, round up, you know, if you look at that scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, it says they have put all things within the church. You see, if you do anything outside the constitution, the constitutional power of his word and the church, you're on your own. And you're running a risk. If you think about it, these brethren that are abducted in uh, Northeast um, Africa, I'm sure that prayer is going around the world for them in different form and shape and the other. But you can imagine if it's just one person who's just so zealous for the Lord but lacked knowledge. Just went, you know, I just feel called into these dangerous places and just went there. Unfortunately, I mean, you just, you just make yourself, um, or you put yourself on unnecessary risk. I'm not saying that things do not happen, you know, but the truth about it is that if you, I'm sure if you ask those brothers or sisters that adopted, I mean, they are probably excited that well at this. Because, you see, what I learned is that in the community that they are, they are actually not called missionaries. In, and that's why I said don't share the thing because they are not actually regarded as missionaries where they are, you know, because they are kind of walking silent in the background. But they're making great impact in the community. They build schools, they build hospitals, they, you know, they're doing, I mean, stuff for them in, in the community. 
And, and that's, why, that's why they didn't want it shared, so that, you know, you don't know who will know that. Ah, so this guy, it's Christianity they came to preach, not that they came to build school, you know. But what I'm trying to say is that you see the, 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 the protection that they get from the church as a result of, because it is within this church that Zach, the, the authority is constituted within this church. And that's why you've got to be very careful whatever you do not to step outside the constitution, uh, the constitution body of God. Amen? Um, if you go to that, I want to finish and uh, round this up with this. Um, if you go to uh, Matthew, that Matthew chapter 14, uh, 17, beg your pardon. Matthew chapter 17, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, why could we not do this? Why could we not do this? Uh, is what is what I've um, said in the last few minutes, but I just want to kind of um, emphasize emphasize it so that um, I, I leave this uh, with us. He said, "Why could you not do it?" And Jesus said to them, verse seventeen to twenty, verse seventeen to twenty. He said, "Because of your unbelief and faithlessness." Um, verse 17, he says, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. The word perverse, faithlessness, if you notice, he, he described that faithlessness as um, you, you realize how little their faith was. In other words, it was almost zero because he said, All you need is a faith as small as a mustard seed, and that faith will do anything. And it's interesting that Jesus said that the faith that we need is as small as mustard seed. Mustard seed, as we know, biblical historians tell us that mustard seeds are not really visible, even to the human eye. So that's how small, how, how tiny that faith is. But what is interesting, Jesus said, even if you have that tiny faith, he said you can move mountains. And when you think about mountains, mountains are things that in the natural that are immovable. They're big obstacles. If you like, they're big problems, they're big challenges. There's, humanly speaking, you can't move it. But God says that with a tiny faith like that, you can do the impossible. Basically, that's what he's saying. He said, because you lack even the tiniest of faith. But the other thing that he said, he said, they, he also called them a perverse generation. And I checked the word perverse generation. When you, some translation called, um, uh, translated as twisted. English version in particular, it said, twisted generation. It means, and that word twisted in the Greek is, is called diaspono. Diaspono, which means to distort, morally corrupt, or turn away. To distort, or to be morally corrupt, or to turn away. And you know, what I find interesting about that is that Many people who attend church will probably say, I'm not morally corrupt. But although we may not be morally corrupt, but really in reality we turn away from the truth. You know, we turn away from the truth. And sometimes it's very subtle. You know, it's, I mean, when you, when you even look at the, a lot of the debates that goes on around sexuality, around um, different things, uh, in, in fact, I was reading something and I was talking about uh, 
what Christians today believe, what Christians today don't believe. And it's amazing the things that we argue on today. You know, I mean, um, the, the as simple as it, the type of music that we, we, we listen to, the type of movie we watch. Now, I don't know if you know, if you notice, now there's no, there's no demarcation. You can't, you can't enter someone's car now and say, is a Christian or not a Christian by the type of music or what they, or you go to someone's home by what you see on their TV, you can't say they're Christians or they're not Christians. Everything is just kind of all mushed up, you know. So morally we may not be corrupt, but really, in a lot of sense, we have turned away from the truth. And Jesus is saying that as long as we turn away from the truth, you know, we'll be far from faith. And as far as we are far from faith, we'll be incapable of exercising an authority. Satan knows those who have confidence in the power that they carry. He knows. And that's why I can tell the sons of Sceva in uh, Acts chapter, in Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 19. That's why I can tell them, say, ah, hold on, which one are you? Peter, I know. Jesus, I know. Uh, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Which one are you? Eh? Who you be? The Father's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Satan knows what we carry. He knows what makes you think. So you see, you can pretend to everybody, but guess what? You can smell from a mouth what you carry. Because you see, what he responds to is not your, is not your facade. What you respond to is what you carry in the inside. Amen? I may not see what you carry in the inside, but guess what? Satan sees. Hallelujah. And what I'm saying to us is that Prepare for the day of battle. You know, we may be sitting in a comfort zone now and we think that well, there's no persecution, there's no what. You know, you never can tell. You never can tell. And I can guarantee you this word will be tested. Guaranteed. So in closing today, I want you to do two things. Number one, which I said earlier on, for the next seven days, at the end of the day before you go to bed, reflect on how you have spent your day and find out how much of it you have invested in eternity. You know, I was thinking about this and what I believe the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit when I was doing my devotion yesterday. I mean, uh, this, I mean, it's for me. I don't know if it's for you as well. And, uh, and, I heard, and I heard that, what is it that you're investing for eternity? And if your time comes, we God say, well done, thou faithful servant. You know, sometimes we can be very busy. We can be very, you see, 
Don't, don't, don't mix it. It's not, this is not the case of will you make heaven or will you not make heaven. When you make heaven, what happens in heaven? Are you going to be a passenger? Are you going to be seated on the doorway or are you going to be receiving your rewards? That's what I'm asking. What are you investing for eternity? How much of your day have you invested in God? The way faith comes, Jesus said that all faithless and perverse generation, the way you can turn back to God and stop turning away from God, even though you are not morally corrupt, but the truth is that if you turn back, eventually you'll be morally corrupt anyway because God's standard will no longer be your standard. A man's standard or the world's standard will become your standard, will become your yardstick. And the way to do that is two things. We need to get back to the, the study of the word of God. We need to. It's, it's not an option. We need to. Engage in the ministry of fasting and praying. Some of us, you know, <laughs> I, was in a, uh, I was in a meeting yesterday and uh, someone shared. He said, the reason why we struggle with corporate prayer is because Personal prayer is non-existence. And I thought, how profound is that? If individually we struggle praying personally, you know, when we come together, we struggle to pray. Let's pray. Some people are struggling. In fact, I try most of the time to close my eyes when I'm doing corporate prayer because I don't want to be discouraged. It's true. But you find some, you see, and the Bible says pray in season and out of season. And let me say this, you know, uh, first of all, I say pray always at all times. You know, make it a conscious habit to pray all the time. But there must also be a seasonal prayer. In other words, there must be your time of prayer. Don't say, oh, well, I, I pray all the time, you know. I don't have any time to pray. So, you know, it's like, you know, I just pray on the bus. I pray on the, it's good to pray on the bus, pray on the train, pray where you're walking and everything. You know, at work, pray. Yes, pray all the time. But, you know, we saw it from Jesus' example. There's a there. He said, it went there. And the disciples saw him, and they wanted to learn how to he prayed. So, find a time to pray. And what I believe is that, I mean, I think if you have a relationship with God, to be honest, the time you spend in prayer will not be an issue. Whether you spend five minutes, you spend five hours before God, to be honest, it's irrelevant. If you go to your friend, or if you have a, I mean, uh, if, you have, if you have a friend that you really love, or you are close to, someone you are close to, you're not telling yourself, okay, you know, I've got five minutes to spend with you. Okay, are you okay? You're fine? Okay. Uh, my five minutes is up for you. Okay, bye. Okay. Does anyone do that? So the time you spend is not so much of the essence, you know, is, uh, um, 
Is it uh, Wilberforce? I think it's William Wilberforce. He was an MP. And he said, um, I read something about him. Um, when he, was, uh, he said, normally I spend about one to two hours in prayers. But the day that I have a busy schedule ahead of me, I spend up to four hours. You know, for most of us it's the reverse, isn't it? We say, oh, I'm too busy, I can't pray. He said, I'm too busy, the day is too full for me not to pray. Hallelujah. Surprise, surprise, they're still talking about him after many years. Many people don't know that he was a politician. But who was a Christian? He affected and made changes as a politician. But his life with Christ was undoubtable. Amen? <coughs> Praise the Lord. So, I want you to leave here this morning and begin to ask yourself, what am I investing for eternity? What am I investing for eternity? Am I exercising the authority that is in me, or am I just carousing with demons and playing around and just, you know, mentally with them? But God wants us to rise, raise again as soldiers of Christ to take authority, to walk in the authority that he has called us to, not because we feel like, not because we want to, but because we need to. Amen. Hallelujah. Not because we want to, not because we feel like, but because we need to. Praise the Lord. Let's rise up to our feet. Amen. As authority is backed up by considered power, and you can't do anything in the power of your might, but in the power of his might, you know, as we allow the word of God to come into our spirits, to immerse in us, the Bible says that we grow in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. And as we go in his considered authority and power, the Bible says that all things, all authority, all power is made subject to us. Not because we are strong, not because we are capable, because that he that lives in us is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. One more time, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is Within me, bless his holy 
name, for he has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. Hallelujah. He has done great things. Blesses holy name. He has done great things one more time. He has done great things. He has done Great thing, he has done great thing. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. Our Father and our God, you are the one that have done great things among us. We thank you, Lord Almighty, for your word that has gone forth. We pray, O oh God Almighty, that this word will not return to you empty-handed, but it would accomplish the purpose to which it set us, Lord. I pray that in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, there will be a stirring, O oh God, in our spirit this morning to hunger for you, to know more of you, to desire more of you, O oh God. That, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, we'll be able to walk in the constituted authority that you have called us unto. We pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord God, no power of the enemy, O oh God, will befall us in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, even as we, we enforce and establish your kingdom over our lives this morning, over our nation, our community, our cities, we pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, your will be done. And your kingdom come, O oh God, upon us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that, Lord, as a work, O oh God, in, in spiritual authority, that, Lord God, you confirm your words with signs and with wonders in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, I pray that, Lord, as we live here, O oh God Almighty, we live in the power of your might, in the strength of your grace in the name of Jesus. Accomplish your word and your purpose in us and through us to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's declare this together as we before we declare Psalm 23. Say, I declare that this is my year of supernatural shift. All things are working together for my good, according to God's promises. I am grateful for who God is in my life and what he has done. I declare God's incredible blessings over my life. I will see an explosion of God's goodness, a sudden widespread increase. I will experience the surpassing greatness of God's favor. It will elevate me to a level higher than I ever dreamed. Explosive blessings are coming my way. It is not too late to accomplish everything God has placed in my heart. I have not missed my window of opportunity. God has moments of favor in my future. 
is preparing me right now because he's about to release a special grace to help me accomplish that dream. This is my year, my decade, my time, a moment of supernatural shift. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You are not my head with all. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of love now forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful and fruitful week ahead of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by this message, please do share and subscribe to ensure that you always get the latest episode. I'd like to hear from you. If you have any comments or prayer requests or counseling need, we are here to help you. If you're calling outside the United Kingdom, it's double four double seven six nine double one nine four four nine. Alternatively, email revbumi at gmail.com. And that is R-E-V-B-U-N-M-I at gmail.com. Or connect via social media, Facebook, revb.omidiron. Or Twitter at PSTBUO hashtag podcast. That is at PSTBUO hashtag podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, sharing with you, same time. God bless you.